Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hey everyone, this is Tom Quee here from Alpha Metallica, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Melt Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. Hey, Clint Wells. This is episode 291. We're going to do a little European-UK recap and some Metallica news. We are back. We're back in the United States of America. We survived Europe and the UK. We saw some lovely friends, played some great shows, and we'll get into all that soon. Yeah, we're going to talk about, uh, and we're hopping right back on a plane today, so, you know, sorry we don't have, like, the typical robust Metallica content that you've really come to know and love, and let's face it, depend on every week for the last five and a half years it it really i mean it gives people life you know yeah, and so we save uh, lives you know it's like it's our podcast breathes air into people so but uh we are just going to recap because some cool things happened on the european tour plus the boys were over there plus these set lists that they've been pulling out while they're over there have been so fun it's been so um you know pre-recording our episodes for the month that we were gone was really good for us but it was hard not to be able to respond to some of these kind of like, especially the Cope and Hell set list, which just sort of blew everyone's mind. So right. um, we're going to talk about all that, dip in with the community. Let's knock out the housekeeping real quick so we can do that. Uh, we're on all the socials, anything you can imagine, except for actually TikTok and maybe 10 other new ones that we don't know about. I mean, we're there's on- plenty out there. You, uh, unfortunately, you probably won't find us on TikTok, um, you know, recreating the latest dance craze that the, all the kids are doing, but uh, we're no, on all and, the other ones. Right. And that's on account of us being grown ups and all. But um, yeah, we're on all the current social media circa five years ago. That's right. That's what we're on. That's where you can find us. And somehow you're listening to us on your phone or on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. If you are joining us for the first time, Ethan and I are two professional musicians who make time every week, even when we're touring the world, to talk about our favorite band, which is Metallica. That's correct, man. And you were right. We are professional musicians. We just got back from the tour. I can't wait to, to recap that with you because we only got home like two and a half days ago as, as of recording this After episode. After a 24-hour so. travel day. Like literally well, we were yeah. traveling for 20, was it 25 hours? It was, well, I, well I, I didn't take into account the Uber ride home, but from the time we woke up at the hotel in London to the time we were in baggage claim in Nashville was, was a ride about 24 hours. Man, we and we we came across some like brutal Punishers on the way. We'll talk about Punishers a little later too. Yeah, yeah. Because why not? We've never really told the people about Punishers, have we? Oh, they need to, the people need to know, man. Well, you need to know because A, you need to know what to do in case you encounter a Punisher, but also, hate to say it, you might be a Punisher. You might you, be one. You might need to know what the deal is because the Punisher that I encountered at the airport had no idea. And I was giving him every clue. Mm-hmm. Every clue except for saying to him, you are punishing me and I no longer want to talk to you. Right. I would like to sever this social contract before our very eyes. Other than those sentences, I was sending every nonverbal and, and tone of voice signal. Right. Did well, he, did he receive about- any of it? 
Uh, probably not. No, most Punishers have no idea they're a Punisher. He until did. Even when they're told, it's like it makes no sense to them. Well, I did the and, math. I did the math actually, and the okay. actual percentage amount of him receiving my uh, signals zero point zero percent. Wow. Okay, that's which is pretty, pretty low. low. That's, that's pretty, pretty low. low. It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, and listen, uh, if, if, if you know, if you're encou- encountering a Punisher, I could tell you one of the worst times you encounter one is after is, you know hour eighteen of traveling. <laughs> it's so true, dude. It's like you know, it's like a bat signal for the Punishers. They're like, what's the absolute ultimate worst time to punish somebody? Mm-hmm. And then they—that's when they come out. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad that he, uh, this Punisher, which we'll get into later. Uh, uh, I think successfully successfully avoided you in baggage claim before we went home that night, but uh, we'll get into he that. He did, but I was shooting the flare to you. I was like, dude, if this guy comes around, just do something. Be ready to take that fake phone call. Oh, and that's and that's and that's a very important thing to note too. Like if 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 there's if one of your friends is dealing with a Punisher and you haven't encountered that Punisher yet, your friend needs to do you a solid and give you a heads up. Shoot that flare. Yeah. And hey, just FYI, incoming. We'll talk about the fake phone call too, because that's that's an important tool in the old utility belt. I like really to think is. of myself as Batman. Yeah. Um, but I'm not an orphan, nor do I fight crime, nor am I a billionaire um, who lives in a in a tall tower in Gotham. Um, but the, the spiritual Batman, and that I have my spiritual armor, my spiritual utility belt, mm-hmm. and in that utility belt, one of my most commonly used weapons, the fake phone call. <laughs> the fake phone call. The fake phone call is a wonderful weapon. All right, we'll get, let's get into all that. Thank God, most of our listeners and most people, most people we encounter are not punishers. Everyone out there is beautiful. By the right. way, thank you to everybody who continues. To get on this ride with us and listen to Metal Up Your Podcast every week. I mean, we have way more emails than we can even get to in the next couple of episodes. But Mm -hmm. the love keeps pouring in. Everyone keeps engaging us on the socials. The Discord is thriving over there. So we really do appreciate all of you out there who continue to listen to us talk about Metallica. We're having a good time. Um, We're having a good time, aren't we? By the way, everyone go check out Dusty Slay, Nashville comedian who I'm trying to befriend. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm on a quest to befriend him. Right. And so far, so good. Yeah, man. Well, you know why? It's so you know what's so far so good? It's because you're not a punisher. Well, no. Been punished too much to be a punisher. Right. You're callous to that. So all you out there who still stick it out with us, man, we appreciate you guys, especially you patrons out there. We got some new patrons. I'm gonna name some of them. Now we might have overlapped some of these, but I'd rather overlap them, Ethan, than leave anyone out. Of course, yeah. So thanks to Ryan Morrissey, Jeffrey White increases pledge, Martinez Calvellis, Andrew Ashworth, Chuck Stoll increased his pledge. Jacob Osmo, and I want to give a special shout out to Lee Gomilla, who is Mitchell Tenpenny's tour manager. Yeah. And we met him because we were doing a stadium show with Luke Combs in Seattle. And the one of the artists had to back out. Last minute, they got Mitchell Tenpenny, who I've known for a few years. Mitchell Tenpenny's a cool dude. Really cool. I met him that day, yeah. Yeah, he's a cool... You guys were getting along because he has, what, like a pop-punk background or something? Yeah, he played in like hardcore bands and stuff. He right. was like a hardcore drummer before he was a country superstar. <laughs> yeah, and he's just generally a cool a cool guy, you know? Yeah. Do I buy his records? No, but that's neither here nor there. Who cares? Um, so we're getting to know his, his, his camp, you know, this whole... And I actually ended up knowing his production manager who used to work with Rodney. So it's... Dude, when you start getting into Nashville country, it's such a small world. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, and uh, and you're now like a year into this, and you've met, you're meeting all these people, and you're going to know these people forever because this world yeah. is small. Exactly. Um, so this guy is wearing a Metallica shirt. I, do you remember which what kind of shirt he was wearing? Like what era of mm, shirt? It doesn't shoot. really matter. Does it, it doesn't matter. But yeah, yeah, he did definitely have a Metallica shirt on. And uh, someone in our camp knew him and said, "Oh, that's that's Lee. He's you know he's Mitchell Tenpenny's tour manager." So at one point, in kind of a you know a lull in the day. 
we were like, so what's up, dude? We just started talking, talking Talica, as they say. That's right. And uh, it's just so funny when you tell someone, you're like, well, we actually host, you know, one of the world's most popular Metallica podcasts. It's yeah. like everyone's waiting for the the jo the punchline. We're like, no, that's no, that's a real that's sentence. What it is. <laughs> that's a real sentence. That's a real fact we just stated. Exactly. And, and then we kind of had fun with the whole like Cliff and Jason talk. The what do you think about Load and Reload? What do you think about the Black Album? Because I've said this, I think, since the first episode. There's a few anchor questions you can ask somebody in the wild mm -hmm. that will really quickly give you an idea of like who they are as a fan. Absolutely, there and is. And not yeah. right or wrong, not like Reload sucks or Reload's the best or True sucks. It's nothing like that. It's just like getting someone, getting the vibe of where someone's at. And yeah, that's all it what is. What do you you're think just, about St. Anger? What do you think? Yeah, what do you think about Lulu? Yeah, you're and just taking the temp, the temp of their of their pool. You're you know? taking the temp, so you can figure out how to relate to them in a positive way, you know. So it, it's not war all the time because you and I have talked about it. Like the warfare of it, the warfare of fandom over for me. Bored, mm -hmm. couldn't give a fuck. Yeah, for sure. I'm not going to argue with anybody about any of it. Listen, if if somebody is a let's say hypothetically they're a lifelong true, we've mm -hmm. had a few on the, on this you know through the years of the show that have, have have come around. Yeah, we've talked about the amount of times that we have heard from people that now they're fans of load and reload we're just, You're welcome, we're, just by the way. we're just planting the seeds it's up to them to to, to water to water that and, and watch it grow potentially yeah you know that's up to them we're not forcing anybody we're just yeah. putting it out there in the world i mean are we the gardeners of life yes um yeah, do we plant the seeds of life that will that will bear you joy for the rest of your life because mm -hmm. here's what i can tell you now very few things are known right very few things are known we don't know anything we made up almost everything but here's what I can tell you. You're going to have a better time enjoying Reload than you are hating Reload. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, for sure. By the way, a little bit of spiritual math. You're welcome. That, That's just spiritual math. You're going to have a better time enjoying things than hating them. That's just a fact. It's a simple equation. <laughs> it's pretty simple, dude. I mean, yeah. um, welcome, welcome to class. This is Mr. Wells. Well, so uh, Professor Luck also is here with me, and uh, you're all welcome. You can all leave us a little apple on the uh, desk, and that's right. And uh, you know, we may we may play favorites later. Who knows? We play favorites with our babies. And we do, of course. Yeah, so what am I? Am I going to not play favorites? You have to. Like, you for instance, to. Clint, in, in your actual household, who's your favorite daughter? <laughs> Tough choice, but I'm going to go with Novenator, uh, my, I, I my figured, one and only yeah. daughter. Um, Here's what's cool about Lee, though. So we start talking, and Lee was like, dude, I really don't have many people to talk to about Metallica. So me and you were telling him about the podcast, and we are like, dude, actually, what's really cool about the podcast is that it's taken on this whole life kind of outside of Metallica. And we told him about the Discord. And he was like, I'm really going to check it out. So we were in an airport, maybe the next day or two days later. Who fucking knows? It was the next and, day we saw this email. And we get a new uh, patron ding, you know, ding, 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 new patron. And it's Lee. He became a patron of the show. Yeah, the next day. So thank you, Lee. I'm really glad that we ran into you out there at work. And uh, welcome to the family, buddy. It's good to have you here. It's good to have you, for sure. Now, before we break down our tour, and uh, and we're not going to go into insane details on our tour, but we, you know, we did a lot of interesting things. I got to meet Jerry Cantrell, for example, see the yeah, Rolling Stones, Hell yeah. see the Eagles. We did our first headlining club tour, and every single show was 100% sold out. So some fun stuff to talk about. Um, and then, of course, the Metallica set list. We met a lot of Melody Podcast family members along the way. But first, we're going to dip into the emails in what we lovingly refer to as the email portal. I'm not sure. Well, do you want to lead us off? You know, I we're back. Let's try home. something different. <laughs> yeah, something different, something different, something new. I would love to, man. Let's 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 hit it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Our first email is from Maya Carroll. She, uh, she says, hey, Ethan and Clint, I've been listening to the podcast for about a year and a half now, but have never written into the show. Well, welcome. I've tried to listen to other podcasts, but they don't have the special spark you all have. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, they can see in our eyes easily. <laughs> totally. I love Paul and oh. the Tangent Cities. Uh, the commentary episodes are always my favorite. I always love saying what or huh around my family because I can't hear them because Metallica, uh, uh, sorry, Metal Your Podcast is always in my ears. Love hearing that. Clint, you've opened my eyes to reload. See? See? We're not gardeners. We're the landscapers now. Yeah. yeah. And, and if anyone thinks I'm making it up, the proof is in the emails, dude. It's right there. Shoot, I'm not making is... it up. It, it's real possible that I could have gone on this journey with you and only convinced maybe just you or our friend Jeff Fireball to check out Slither again. Check out Fixer again. Check yeah. out Better Than You again. It won a Grammy. Grammy Award yeah. winning. That's but right. Turns, exactly. But turns well, out it's the masses. The masses right. have reevaluated the Bob Rock sauce and they like it. Yeah. And that's okay. If, if, if you still don't like it, fine. Whatever. But listen, <laughs> this, this, this email portal is a big vat of pudding, and that's where the proof is, okay? Yeah. Thanks, Maya. Uh, Maya says, so Reload is now her second favorite album after Justice, which is the, the, the first album that she bought. Uh, she says, my dad brought me to our local record store and told me to pick whatever. I took Justice because the cover is so sick. Agreed. My dad got me into Metallica with puppets, but sadly, he's a true. <laughs> he heard me listening to Reload, and he chuckled and said, ah, you getting into the bad Metallica now? I was so mad because, come on, Reload rocks. Yeah. His loss, I guess. Anyways, just wanted to say thanks for the years of content you guys have given us. Maya from Carol, uh, sorry, sorry, Maya Carroll from Cam Kalamazoo, Michigan, New Jersey. Love it, Maya. Appreciate that. And you know Wait. what? <clears throat> You can bring your dad along. You can get your dad on the ride because your dad loves you. Your dad wants to your dad wants to like what you like. I'm a dad myself. I know what that's like. You want to get into what your kids like. And right. I think that it may take time, but I believe that you can do it. It's taken us five and a half years. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it takes a while. You can't just do this overnight, you know. Like like we said, you know, as 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 the landscapers of the Metallica community. You don't just put the seeds in the ground and walk away. No, that's you not know, how it works. You, you have to tend to them, you know, you have to care for them, nurture them. And then, of course, also, if he never comes around, it's cool, too. He got you into puppets. He got you on the ride. And yeah. I like the variety in her top twos, right? She's got Justice, number one. Hard to argue with that. Right. Justice is my number two, actually, after Lightning. Reload's yeah. my number three. So we have a similar vibe there. And I appreciate you, Maya. Thanks for writing in. Write in more often, buddy. It's good to hear from you. All right. Oh, yeah. Casey Phillips writes in and says, hello, friends. And it's in the Mustang voice. She asked me to do that, right? Little kerfuffle over on the Discord over the new uh, Megadeth title the title and the font <laughs> i i was i was actually raising the stink about the font because I, I just thought it looked like a, a, a rip off of the walking people Dead are mad that you don't font. like the people are mad that you don't like the font dude i know they were upset like i, I mean whatever this it's, it's 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 all to your taste i guess but uh, i just yeah. thought like okay come on this is like what album 16 or something it's like some graphic designer had i could send that to some of my graphic designer friends and be like and just say what do you think of this font right here and I, I could tell you what most of them would say. They're like, oh, that's bad. Dude, speaking of graphic design, well, you have a good eye for it. Like, so I take your criticism. Uh, I think you have a really good eye for that kind of thing. And, right. uh, you know, I stay out of the Mustaine Wars because I don't care anymore. And I, yeah. I'll, let, I'll let everyone else duke it out. But um, you took an amazing picture when we were in Scotland that might be the next cover of Lunar Satan. <laughs> That's right. Well, and and uh, and I know that's not bit, fonts and necessarily graphic design. It's just photography. But you have a good right, eye yeah, for and, that and stuff. When I do photography, I've done it for a long time. You know, I did it semi-professionally in between touring for a long time. And we, one of the venues we played in Glasgow was in the basement of this old church, and yeah, it was, was a awesome. rad venue, amazing, beautiful old building. And at night, 
it had red lights lighting up the building and the sky was kind of ominous and overcast. And right before we left to go to the hotel, I just angled my phone up and snapped a few shots and I showed it to Clint. I was like, look how sick this is. You know, yeah. it, it just happened. I looked up and I just, I don't know. I can see these angles that I think look cool rather than just kind of like standing over there and taking a photo. But and it, it, it might be the next album cover. We'll see. Well, <clears throat> little tangent city there. Casey says, hello, friends. Put in the Mustang boys. Sitting around toking some trees, a.k.a. getting roped up, as Dimebag would say. And uh, there's two pressing issues I felt I needed to get off my chest. First and foremost, I went back and listened to Clint's top 20 Beatles songs. I believe it was episodes 373 and 375. We've been doing this a long time, dude. Yes, we have. Those are high numbers. Uh, Casey says, and I can't seem to stop listening to the Beatles now. I've always been familiar with the Beatles, but a majority of the songs off that list I'd never heard before, and they all seem to blow my mind, especially and most notably, Oh Darling. Great song. Which is my origin story. My, I'll tell it briefly. I told it on that episode, but my origin story is my perception of the Beatles. I was like 20 years old, music lover my whole life, into hard rock, into the 90s stuff, into Metallica, blah, 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 blah. And a friend of mine was a Beatle freak, and I thought the Beatles were, I love me, do, I want to hold your hand. I thought it was lame. I'm embarrassed to say I thought it was lame. I thought it was basically like <laughs> 60s boy band bubblegum pop. Sure. And he, who's wiser than me, I mean, most most of what's cool about me is because I always had older, wiser friends than me that mellowed me out and taught me things. Yeah. So he, he instead of getting butthurt or trying to have some sort of identity war over it, he goes, dude, I think you're wrong. Let me play you. He said, I've got, I'm going to play you a couple of songs from Abbey Road. If you don't like them, we don't have to listen to the Beatles. Because I didn't have a car. So this is actually when I was 17. I didn't yeah. have a car. He had a car. I rode with him everywhere. He was my best friend. He had a cassette tape of Abbey Road. And he the first song he played for me was Oh Darling. Awesome. And I and even Oh Darling is kind of a 50s throwback sounding Paul-driven piano thing. Mm-hmm. But I'd never heard them sound like that. I'd never heard Paul sing kind of sing that little Richard rock and roll shit. I'd never heard Ringo. There were these great Ringo drum fills. I'd never heard George play like that. And that was the beginning of me reconsidering the Beatles, which would obviously change my life because they're the greatest band ever and my right. favorite band of all time. I mean, sometimes that's all it takes. It's just, you know, the that coming online moment where maybe you're a little turned off by, like you said, the old sound sounds a little maybe two fifties, sixties or whatever. And then you hear one song, and you're like, oh, I get it. Someone just and then it to... makes those old songs sound even cooler. <laughs> exactly. Well, because now I think actually really the heaviest stuff they did was probably before 65. Yeah. But I had to learn. I didn't know anything. You know what I mean? I didn't mm -hmm. really know what I was talking about. I just sort of heard it in culture. And it sounds like Casey's having a similar experience. Casey goes on to say, I decided to listen to the entire White Album from start to finish, and it was absolutely incredible. Very rare that I can listen to an entire album from start to finish and not have the desire to skip a track. They say, okay, Piggies and Revolution 9 I skipped over, which I get. But everything else was perfect and well-balanced. Revolution 1, probably the standout track for me because I've heard Revolution off the Beatles 67, 70 before, but this slowed down version just seems to resonate me more. I don't know if you know that story, but the single of the song Revolution was amped up like electric and fast. Yeah. But the White Album version is just a slow acoustic John Lennon thing. Yeah. yeah it's, say it's, it's, you it's rad. Revolution. Well, you know. It's just real chill. But the, mm -hmm. the one they did for the single is like they plugged straight into the console and you get that. Yeah, it's like one of the earlier recorded distorted sounds. Yeah, totally. Um, they go on to say, slow down versions either resonate more. Plus the doobie doo-wop, doobie doo-wop 50 swing vibe just lends itself to the song so well that it's not hard to like it. I agree. I'll dive into the Bob Dylan stuff soon because why not? Any re recommendations on where I should start? 
Yes, you should start with um, Highway 61 Revisited and Bringing It All Back Home and Free Will and Bob Dylan. Those mm -hmm. are the three places you should start. If you like those three records, then you need to move on to Blood on the Tracks and you need to get Oh Mercy. If you like those two records, you need to get uh, Time Out of Mind. So I've just, I just gave you a roadmap for how to get into Dylan real quick, real quick. Second topic, we've seen and heard Metallica do a variety of different medleys in the past, the Kill Ride medley, the Justice medley, the Master Terium. Do you think they'll ever do a Load Reload medley? I actually put one together years ago. Yeah. If they ever did, I'd love to hear these songs. Ain't My Bitch, 2 by 4 Wasting My Hate, King Nothing Better Than You, Bad Seed, Attitude, Prince Charming. I know that's asking a lot, but hey, a girl can dream. The St. Anger medley would be cool and probably easier to piece together since the majority of the songs are drop C. The exception of Dirty Window, which I believe was recorded in drop D flat tuning. Anyways, keep pumping out that Metallica content we fans want to hear. Casey Phillips. Oh, Casey Phipps, not Phillips, LOL. Have I been saying Phillips the whole time? I think I have. Maybe so. It's Phipps, though. No Phillips, just P-H-I-P-P-S. Just Phipps. From Lighthouse Point, Florida, you guessed it, New Jersey. New Jersey. By the way, Man, we I don't, add, we oh, don't oh, add that on our own. People always write that now, which I love. Oh yeah, no. I mean that 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 was one of the earliest seeds we planted in the garden. Yeah, very early for sure. Um, I'm 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 with her that I would love to see some kind of medley of the load reload stuff, and who knows, maybe the culture gets to the anniversary box sets of those. Maybe we'll get something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be fun for sure. I think the load reload era is a lot more suited to it than Saint Anger because the Saint Anger songs are just so long and you know, like. Mm -hmm. Although I could see a mashup, though I could see it. Yeah, it can. Ha it could, it, listen, anything's possible. In this I think world. the Kill Ride medley might be my favorite of all the medleys so far. The three that we've gotten. Yeah, that one's pretty rad. Um, all right, cool. Right on. Uh, all right, moving on. Adam Pastor writes in and says, "Dear Mother, dear Father Earth." <laughs> yes, that's another one I love that I they love just throw it. out there. My name is Adam Pastor. I'm 23 years old and based out of the Southern California area. Fish tacos. <laughs> I want to apologize in advance because this is a non-metallic related question, but related question, but something still within the realm of music. I myself am a guitar player slash songwriter and currently working as a guitar instructor as well. I have all the respect for the work you both do in Nashville and it's, it's always been a place that I've dreamed of working one day and having a career within music. I know there's many different avenues one can take, uh, but as far as becoming either a songwriter within a publishing house or being a touring musician in that scene, are there any tips of adv or advice you both would impart on somebody looking to get started? Uh, I'm looking to take a trip there to, uh, later with some friends in the year uh, for the first time and sort of want to get my foot in the door with something, if that's at all a possibility. Sorry for the lengthy email, brothers, but I appreciate your time as always. Also off topic, but thanks, Ethan, for putting me on to Radio Birdman, one of your radio episodes a while back. They're absolutely sick. Best wishes to you both, and keep on rocking in the free world. All the best. Adam from Corona, California, California New Jersey. Joycey. Um, well, listen, man. Um, Moving to Nashville and getting your foot in the door here is uh, it's it's not easy. I'll tell you that it's and it's a, and it's an ongoing thing. Like that's still something you know. Even in the last couple of years, I, you're always navigating. It's it's peaks or valleys. Sometimes it's really bad. Sometimes it's really good. You know, but it's 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 hard. You know, it's it's really it's just who you know. You know, there's there's a million guitar players here that are better than any of us that want the same job as you do. You know, so a lot of what it comes down to to me is like obviously talent, skill, knowing songs. Let's say you're auditioning for an artist or something like that, but it's like a lot of it's the hang too. Is your personality good? Can you deal with any kind of drama on the road or tough travel schedules, things like that? But it takes, I mean, it takes some time for sure. Well, I mean, first of all, don't get married, don't have kids, uh, save your money, <laughs> be smart. You need to move to an industry town where things like this are actually happening. And, um, <clears throat> 
yeah, you have to be really good at what you do. That's just flat period. And then like everyone here is already good at it. Mm-hmm. So then you have to, yeah, you have to have a network. You have to be cool. You have to have a good hang and you have to have luck. And my advice is the things that you can control, like starting a family. I mean, don't not start a family. If like one of your life goals is start a family, it's one of the highest aspirations of being a human. You should do that. But it's going to be sure. harder to be a successful musician if you have those kinds of obligations because a lot of it is living pretty lean and mean. And it's hard to live mm-hmm. lean and mean when you have to support people and when you have a mortgage. Right. So my advice is keep your overhead low, baby, and move to a town where shit's going on. Yeah. Plug in, get to know people, and get to work. Yeah, um, try to, I mean, even just playing plan out locally in clubs, you know, you, you start meeting some new friends in Nashville, maybe they got a band, maybe a solo artist, and they need a backup player for whatever showcase gig, or even just a little dive bar gig, you know, just be out playing, and that way you're, you're going to meet more people when you're out with your instrument, people can see what you can do, having a beer or whatever after the show with people, you know, that, those are the great, you know, the contacts you want to make, you know, and sometimes I think that's good they're shitty you, people, sometimes not. I think that's good if you, like, have an artist project. If you're trying to be a side guy, what you need to do is go to shows and meet yeah. people. And if you see a band play, you need to approach their guitar player and then you need to invite them to coffee. Mm-hmm. When I got to town, there were several session guys and guys that played live around town that I just asked to coffee. And uh, Tim Marks was one of them. And, you know, he took me up on it. We went to coffee and I basically was like, how do you do this? Yeah. You know, like, and then we had a good hang. We had, we mostly talked about Motown. He's a big Motown cat. And I just watched that Motown documentary. So we mostly kind of just talked about music that we loved. And he got the whiff of me like, this guy's cool. Right. And I was playing with an artist named Griffin House who he liked. He liked that artist's music. So at some other thing down the line, when Tim was doing something cool, he invited me. Hey, awesome. dude, there's like a, there's a thing going on at, at, you know, whatever, Whiskey Kitchen. You should come over there. There's going to be some cool dudes there I think you'd like to meet. And then it just snowballs. But mm-hmm. it would never would have happened if I hadn't. I went to a show where I saw Tim play. I didn't know who he was. I was at the five spot right next to the bar that you and Callie love. Yeah. And he was just in this little band. There were maybe 20 people there. I didn't know that he played on all of Taylor Swift's records. This guy, Tim Marks. Yeah. I just liked the band, whatever little band he was in. And I talked to him after the show. And then I looked him up on Facebook and asked him to coffee. It's really shit like that. And it's like really just being intentional and proactive about achieving what you want. Because... No one's going to come knock on your door and say, oh, we've heard good things about you, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, exactly. That, it's that ain't building, building relationships, you know? It's, it's in, in building this pool of people that you can, and not they're not there just to only call when you need it, you're trying to find a gig or something. Like, these become your friends and your totally. community and stuff like that, you know? Totally. If you treat them, if you're just using them, they'll sniff it out because it's easy to sniff out. It smells like shit and mm-hmm. no one wants yeah, I mean, to be I, used. I've had people over the years that I, the only time I ever hear from them is when, is when they're looking for work and I'm like... That's the only time you ever send me a text or whatever. Like, okay, yeah. bye. And I clock all that. I'm like, okay, right on. I see what you're all about. Yeah. In terms of writing, you know, I don't, I, the writing landscape is really, really hard. The way I got my publishing deal is a girl I was writing with a lot and producing a lot. She had won a con, some sort of songwriting contest where for Horror Pro, where she got her first deal. And then that snowballed into a Rough Trade thing. And then every song she was turning into Rough Trade had my name on it because I was co writing it all with her. So that's what piqued their interest in me. And then we just had a few meetings and now that's who I write for. But right. that landscape is so crazy. And so it's wild. a whole different rat race than even doing gigs. And I yeah. think the best advice is to just try to do it on your own and write good songs that are getting put on records. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, but listen, um, Adam, 
try to make it happen, dude. I mean, you know, you got to put in the work, but if you really want it, man, you know, it can happen for you. You know, well, we just we honestly we just gave for free uh, a really solid map of how to do it. I mean, was that was that our move to Nashville masterclass? We just gave really practical, really good advice on whether he can do it and take it. That's up to him. But good luck, Adam. I wish you the best, my friend. Yeah, for sure. All right. Our next email is from Chris Yurgis. Metalliclaws himself writes in. Ho, ho, ho. Says, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Metalliclaws is coming to town. That's right. Honey Badger Metalliclaws here, just fresh off a trip to Nashville. And unfortunately, Paul was not there. He says, yep, that's who I wanted to see the most. Paul, where are you? Okay, maybe I was a bit bummed to miss out on grabbing a drink with you two stray cats, but I get it. Big European tour playing in front of thousands of people. Honey, please. Please. He says, I know it's been a while, but I just had a beanstalk dream. No, really. There I was in my backyard, and a random dog comes trotting in. The dog takes a leak in the middle of the yard like dogs do. I call the dog over, offering some food, and quickly notice it's wearing a dog tag that reads, Alucius. Amazing. What in the heck, I think to myself, at the very moment, at that very moment, the ground starts to shake, and right in front of my eyes, a giant beanstalk emerges from the underworld. Dude, I want this dream. This is pretty awesome. So now comes the moment of truth. Do I climb the beanstalk or run for my life? Well, being the honey badger, I am not giving a S-H-I-T along with my bad A persona. I climb the beanstalk after two, two hours of climbing. Okay, so it's a two-hour journey. I finally reach the top, but there's nothing there. An endless sea of clouds and white. I feel a tap on my shoulder and turn around and are met with two middle-aged women holding clipboards. They're wearing name tags, Joyce and Joyce. <laughs> Before I can get a single word out of my mouth, they pipe up, Would you like to take a survey? Do you eat beans? Would you like to see a new movie starring George Wint? Do you eat beans with George Wint? Would you like to see George? I'm not, I don't even know the Joyce voice anymore. How does that how does it even go? Honey, please. George Wint eating beans Honey, in a please. movie. George Wint, he's such a doll. Do you eat beans at George Wint movies? I snap out of it, waking up in a cold sweat. What a nightmare. That's when I turn to my nightstand to turn on the light, and there in the center is a single bean. Dude, that's like <laughs> some Nightmare on Elm Street shit. He brought it out of the dream. Dude, that's from Freddy's Dead, right? You brought a little piece of the dream out into the real world. That's wild, dude. Right. I mean, if you get up there and it's the Joyce's with a clipboard asking you questions about George Wint, I mean, I'll take that over like Freddy Krueger, you know, turning right. you into a roach and then squeezing your guts out, you know. Or, you know, like two giants you know, want to, you know, crush you with their fist. Right. That's no fun. He says, okay, in other news, I took the bird for a short trip up to New York City to see Sir Paul McCartney. Holy cow, what a show. At 80 years old, the energy that man still has is nothing short of amazing. Being there in person, seeing the man play music, knowing how so many threads of other music were inspired and generated from what came out of his hands. Truly amazing. To have the boss and Bon Jovi, he says kill Bon Jovi, come out was just icing on the cake. Also nice to see Dave Grohl come out last week during one of his shows. I can't think that the foos are done. If you've not seen Paul and have the opportunity, do it. Seeing all the generations in attendance and 60,000 strong singing Hey Jude at the top of their lungs is something I will always remember. He says, I'll be at the Chicago and Buffalo shows coming up as I hit my 25th Metallica show milestone. I hope our set lists come close to these European festival set lists. I mean, come on. They've been killing it. Stay good out there. Metalliclaws is watching. Sayonara, Honey Badger, Metalliclaws. Well, listen, man. I, I you, you had a straight-up Metal Pure podcast dream. The Joyces were there. Lucius was there. A yeah. Beanstalk was there. Love it. It's amazing. We're Dreamweavers, dude. Oh, Dreamweaver. <laughs> I believe. Well, <clears throat> I think he nailed it about Paul McCartney. Like, And I, we, I still haven't seen him. And in fact, the night that we played Hyde Park, right? 
Mm-hmm. The Eagles were playing, or wait, was it the Rolling Stones night? I think it was, well, whatever, it was one of the two nights. Well, within was- two nights, it's Rolling Stones, Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing the stadium, mm-hmm. McCartney's playing Glastonbury, yeah. Ed Sheeran's playing Wembley Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 20, 21 Pilots were at the other arena. 21 Pilots are in town. I mean, it's just, it was a crazy little confluence of music just but stacked I, weekend man but i think that that um that chris nailed it dude you've got multiple generations sixty thousand strong screaming the words to hey jude singing all the na-na's at the end i mean what other artists other than the stones or the eagles maybe could can do that that are still alive that still sound great i mean i don't he's know he's in rare I, company dude he very rare company but even even you know the stones and the eagles both great bands but I mean, the kind of energy you would be get in an arena of singing the end of "Hey Jude." I don't oh, know. Dude. I don't know what songs they have that could match that. That that you know, that collect that collective singing of where everyone's just together and they, I, there's not a care in the rest of the world. Well, I I did see it at the Rolling Stones during "Can't Always Get What You Want" for sure. Okay, and then I saw okay, it during cool. "Boys of Summer" at the Eagle Show. I looked over at Tom Cruise and he was screaming the fucking chorus to "Boys of Summer." Boys of Summer might have been the best song in the Eagle set, and I know it's a Don Henley song, but that that might have been the most charged up. I felt the most charged up for sure. I mean, because they're you know if, if you think about it, I mean they're they're not a crazy high energy band, especially no. not physically. No, <laughs> you know? no, those dudes just you stood know. There. But I mean, that was definitely one of the more high energy songs of the set. Maybe Life in the Fast Lane or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and I mean they put on a great show. But I mean, I had a lot of FOMO. Especially once I got home and I started, I was just yesterday morning, I was having coffee, looking up some videos of Paul at Glastonbury and I was just like, gosh, man, just to see the joy in people's faces on whatever song he was doing, it did not matter what song He's, it was. He, I'm going to make a statement. He is the most beloved living musician on the planet. Yeah. Like who would be more beloved than him? Well, probably Dave Stain. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't, are you trying to trigger me, dude? No, I'm not trying to trigger you. But you're right. He is the most beloved musician songwriter on the planet. There's I mean, no, who I, else would it be? Like Prince, but Prince is gone. It, Prince you know? is gone. Springsteen maybe. But Springsteen's I don't think maybe up there. But I mean, Paul's on a whole other level. He's already he's he's at the top of the beanstalk. But does Springsteen man. have the like worldwide following? I know he's huge in the states. Maybe he's huge in like the UK. But is Springsteen huge in like South America? Um, I mean, maybe. Like, I, I don't I don't follow his 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 you know past touring schedules enough to know. But like Paul McCartney can go play Hey Jude in in any country in the world and everyone's going to know it and love it. Everyone's yeah, everyone's going to sing along to it for sure. He doesn't have any bad markets, dude. He's he really a Beatle. Doesn't. He's playing there, like, you know. There is no B and C market for Paul McCartney. <laughs> no, dude. Well, I mean, all right. recently he played Knoxville and not Nashville here in Tennessee and it was like it doesn't really matter like everyone's coming. Dude, for sure. And pretty cool that Dave Grohl showed up at the Glastonbury gig. Yeah, I watched. I watched that. They did band on the run together. It was That's pretty so cool. cool, man. Right yeah, on. Yeah, Dave. Dave sang a verse and stuff. Dave looked really. You know, you can tell he still's got some pain in his face. Yeah. Um, but he had a he had a, he had a T he wrote for Taylor Hawkins on his hand it was awesome. a little little Easter egg, I guess. But um, yeah. it was really cool to see him on stage, just you know, doing what he loves. And you know, really, no matter what you're going through in life, if Paul McCartney says, "Hey, do you want to come do this?" You just say yes. Yeah, Paul McCartney. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to fly across the world to go play two songs with you. Paul McCartney's like, will you climb this two-hour beanstalk with me? I'm like, dude, ordinarily everyone knows my position on the beanstalk, Sitch. I ain't climbing it. But if Paul wants me to, let's go. Yeah, and you know what? He's 80 years old and he would still climb it. Yeah, he's in good shape. He looks good. All right, thanks, Chris. Glad you got to see all that stuff. Next email. Next email is from Caleb Gallo. 
He says, uh, what's up, my nutty fucks? <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> I've been burning down load and reload in the past week or so. And yes, in my opinion, Metallica's best work. I was wondering what you guys think of the conversation um, uh, was or if there is a conversation about the Outlaw, Torn, and Fixer being so similar. Things like the fade, the fade in and the picking scrapes in the beginning with the build up into a brooding ending. Real different and more personal lyrics than most of the two albums. Even the way James delivers the lines remind me of what, excuse me, remind me of what left this outlaw torn, and you jab another pin in me, uh, are both phrased in a way that they end the chorus and transition, and tra- transition us into the next verse or bridge. There's more similarities that are placed around the same times in the songs. This to me is something the boys have never done, even with the Unforgivens. Would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, peace, love, and nuttiness from Seattle, Washington, New Jersey. Um, well, I, I think they probably did what a lot of bands do. And what I do when I make my records is when you start collecting a batch of songs, a lot of times the opening song and the ending song will present themselves to you where you'll mm-hmm. be like, these are, this is the closer. Yes. And I think that it, they were just writing material. And I think they were like, we got these two kind of brooding bangers. And from what I understand, what ended up on reload was just what they couldn't finish. Cause it was going to be a double album that they wanted right. to try to get out at the same time. But because they were the huge Metallica machine that we've known for all these, you know, 40 odd years, they already had these tours booked and to, to book a, you know, 50 date arena tour is insane. Like you have to mm-hmm. book them way in advance. You, you have to book all the hotels, you have to book all the buses. So they had these tours booked and this happened with you too. Also when they were making the album pop, a lot of people think that album suffered because they had to rush the album to get the, to get ready for tour. Yeah. So what we know is that the songs that ended up on reload were just what they couldn't finish. Not the scraps, not what was left over, just what didn't get finished because of time. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing, because there's no other songs that are like those two. So I'm guessing those two started, maybe where the wild things are is kind of in that milieu, dark, sure. strange song. But I think you no, know, just being a writer who's made records before, I can tell that James probably was like, these are going to be the album closers. Yeah, and a lot of times when you're you know you're, you're you have this pool of songs you know ready for the next record, oftentimes if one's like extra long, like not your normal three and a half, four, maybe five minutes, but you're pushing like seven, eight, nine minutes, it's like in general you immediately want to put that on the end of the record, you know, or maybe just maybe end of side A if you're thinking of it as two sides. Yeah, I mean you just want to close out. You just want to close out with a mood, you know? You want to mm-hmm. close out with a vibe. You want to leave a listener being like, wow. Like, you want to put something powerful at the end. Exactly, yeah. And I think those two songs occupy so much space that I don't see a world where those two songs could be on the same record. I just, maybe one of them could end side mm-hmm. A and another one inside B, but they're just two. They are very similar songs, very personal. One mm-hmm. about, I don't know what the Outlaw Torn's about. Fixer's definitely about. James's parents. Fixer is basically Dyer's Eve Part Two lyrically. Right. Um, you could kind of throw until it sleeps in there about his mom, and who knows? Who knows? That's what I love about those records. They're so interesting to turn over in your hands. But yeah, I think those records are really special. Those two songs are really special. They've never really done anything quite like that. I think they got close with Unnamed Feeling. Is dips into lyrical content. They got close mm-hmm. with like the bridge to. Um, the hourglass, you know, the the hourglass of time. What is that on the end of the line? Um, yeah. Uh, spilling sand, we will not find. They get close to it there. Uh, Halo on fire gets close to it. That does, yeah. 
but really they kind of they they hammered that material so hard right then i think they did it i think those two songs are masterpieces mm-hmm. and then they did what a lot of great bands do and they kind of moved on from it right exactly so i mean they left a, i mean those records left a huge mark in the 90s and especially those two songs that are still beloved to this day and we finally got fixer last year live and yeah um which i you know i honestly believe that we changed the conversation about it and i i don't when we when we first started this podcast i was on the metallica forums every day of my fucking life and i don't i never saw the the fixer clamor mm-hmm. until years into this podcast and then it became probably one of the most requested deep cuts in right. their entire career you're welcome well i don't know I'm, i don't know how much credit we can take for that but i didn't see it before us that's all yeah. i'm saying that's it that's just a fact thanks caleb and by the way caleb says he thinks that those two records are their best work. So yeah, we got another believer out there. Andrew there Belly says, hey, Clint and Ethan, hope you're both well. I've never said what's up, brothers, but Ethan, please feel free. What's up, brothers? Just writing in to say good day, mate. It's been ages since I wrote in. I see you're on the road, which is awesome, and no doubt you're enjoying yourselves. Great that you guys are playing together so much. You've got a great chemistry, not just on the podcast, but also as, quote unquote, drum roll, please. <laughs> Professional musicians. Yes. I'm still very much on the Metal Up Your Podcast train, and it's still the best podcast out there. Generally, not just Metallica. Wow. Thank you, Andrew. He says, Clint, when we did the Metal Tales episode early last year, where you restored Order to the Cosmos and started wearing your superhero cape, we chatted about Richie Sambora and how good he is and what he brought to Bon Jovi, both as a great player, but the spot-on harmonies as well. I really enjoyed that conversation. Anyway, I've included an attachment, which I haven't watched for years. I used to absolutely love the song and the way they played it. He sent um, something from the 89 MTV Music Awards, which is, is that the, um, I didn't open this link, but the, is that the living on a prayer, prayer, uh, wanted dead or alive that basically started MTV Unplugged? Yeah, I think, yeah, because it was just the two of them playing right. like ovations, you know. And He says, as soon as I started watching it, I thought of our conversation, so I thought I'd send it along for you and Ethan to watch if you haven't seen it. Take care on the road, stay well, and continue to be the legends that you are. Thanks again for all that you do for the Melt Your Podcast family. Andrew Bell's Belly from Melbourne, New Jersey, Australia. Awesome. I'm, I remember watching that live. Me too. I do too. Like, like I was I, at that point, I was ten or eleven years old, and I remember seeing that and being like, "Man, this is so cool." But I then, think it. I think if I'm not mistaken, that performance is what kickstarted MTV Unplugged. Yeah, that kind of that, that was kind of the spark that started it. Because I mean, Unplugged was massive in the '90s, and that arrangement. Like hearing him and Richie do like Wanted Dead or Alive with and like as Andrew correctly highlights, those Richie Sambora harmonies, dude. You know the story uh, yeah. about when I tried to tell a, a gate agent I was Richie Sambora. Yes. <laughs> Cause I was trying to get on the plane early. And I said I tried to name drop Richie Sambora. She yeah. did not care. You're like, Well, your your boarding card says uh Clint Wells. She's like, Well, we have we have fake names for hotels and planes, things like that. She was like click clacking away. I was like, well, I'm, my, I'm Richie Sambora. Is there anything you can do? And she's like click clacking. Well, Mr. Sambora, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Sambora. You're just not going to be able to, to get on the plane. Exactly. Early. Well, she didn't know who Richie Sambora was. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Thanks, Andrew. All right. Next email is from uh, Mark Allen. He says, dear seasoned musos. <laughs> Uh, uh, here's a little uh, Willie for each of you. Okay, is this a Willie Nelson thing? It I is. think it is. It is. E- Ethan, as a reggae connoisseur, what are your thoughts on Willie Nelson's Countryman album? A mix of covers and originals given a reggae makeover. I must admit, I, while I was hesitant at first, but damn, if I wasn't hooked on the album for quite some time after it was released, uh, Willie, reggae, the old ganja, why not? Ganja. Uh, I love that record, actually. I had a, actually had a friend down in Atlanta who had two copies of it, and it's really hard to get for a, a, a decent price, and he sent me a copy um, about two years ago. 
hmm. and it's really fun. It's just Willie. I mean, the the band sounds great. Um, I, I think he did some of it in Jamaica too, which is cool. Um, number two, this is for you, Clint. Clint, have you ever heard Willie Nelson's version of Dave Matthews' Grave Digger? I have. Yes, absolutely. There you go. He has heard it here, folks. Uh, and for the sh- the the shit sitch, would I ever eat a fudge dragon in an overly excited state? Oh yeah, because we talked about the Philly fan that ate a piece of right. shit. Right. Yeah, he says, I can't imagine I ever would. Of course, it might depend on what I had to eat that day. Blazing the bong, cheeching on the chong, Mark Potter. <laughs> Listen, I don't care what I ate that day. I'm not eating that. I don't care if I only ate salad. Well, you it, would do it It's to never survive. good when it comes all, out. All I got to do is turn a few survival dials and you're eating your own shit, dude. Everyone needs to understand this, okay. all right? This is what's going to build empathy for all of you out in the world. Everyone needs to understand that there are just a few short dial changes away from doing the unthinkable mm-hmm. that's true now I'll, I'll let you i'll let your imagination run wild when i say unthinkable but might including your own shit might include killing your neighbor might include eating your own dog i don't know i'm just telling you <laughs> that if things get dicey enough you will do things unimaginable that's another spiritual I mean, math fact of life alive dude. right i have seen alive yeah, they the soccer team, the, can, the the soccer team that had to eat their own that died. Yeah, yeah, they eat their buddy. Yeah, you would do it so, to survive. Yeah, people would, people would there's do. A, they, there's, there's a there's a uh, a really fun new show uh, called Yellow Jackets, where it's a similar kind of thing. They got to eat their friend. Spoiler: I alert. love I love cannibal shows. I, what can I say? I love them. <laughs> um, <clears throat> your first show ever with Morgan, we opened for Willie at Willie's Ranch, and we had to eat our friend, and we had to eat Willie actually. Yeah, he's still alive though. He's like Michael Myers. Well, we just no matter ate what little, you do to him, he survives. Right. We just ate little portions of his of his upper thigh. But the Will right. Nelson that we play the most in the house is a collection of covers called Stardust. Great. And record. it's like him doing Georgia on my mind and Stardust memories. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful record. That's mm-hmm. the one I recommend. His version of Grave Digger is okay. It reminds me of um, Ryan Adams actually produced a Willie Nelson record. I think it's called Songbird. Okay. And it's, a lot of Willie Nelson albums are just collections of covers. And... Uh, it's him doing like, um, man, he does a, he does a really weird Fleetwood Mac song. I think he does Oh Daddy from Rumors. Crazy. He does this really great Ryan Adams song called Blue Hotel. I think he does Thousand Dollar Wedding. He does like a couple of Graham Parsons songs. It's pretty good, but yeah. it's with, Ryan Adams had a band at the time that was really hot called The Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a Cardinals record, which if you were into him at that time, that was a very unique sound. And uh that's kind of what Gravedigger sounds like. It's like yeah. cool song. I love that it's David J. Matthews, but why? <laughs> you know, it's like a little sure. bit of a why. Right. Well, hey, we'll also be we're gonna be playing uh, with Willie Nelson again here in the next couple of weeks. Out in are California. we really? We are. Yeah, that festival up there. It's like Casey Musgraves, Willie Nelson. Okay. Pretty cool lineup. Nice. All right. Eric Dallager writes in, and I think this is the last email. It is. Yes. He says, "Howdy," and th- this is a theory he has. Right. He says. What a fun set list in Copenhagen from June 15th, right? And he says, wrong. And here's why. He's got a little bit of a metallic conspiracy okay. here. He says, in an interview during the Hardwired campaign, when pressed to answer the question, what should be the last song Metallica plays at their last concert, James sat back and thought for a moment and then replied, Master of Puppets. What we are seeing here, folks, is the proverbial plane coming in for a landing. If Master becomes the new staple song to close out each set, then they can sleep well at night knowing that they are not leaving their finale up to fate, but rather they are planning the ending punctuation point to their career. As Clint so wisely advised a few months ago, everyone needs to, all caps, enjoy these next couple of years that Metallica is active and healthy. That is all. 
Eric Dallagher. I feel like he should have signed off by saying, period. Period. Well, what say ye, Ethan? Uh, the but, conspiracy? I mean, he, listen, he might be right. He might be right. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, the writing's on the wall. They're older, you know, physically demanding music. It's tough to play the older you get. You know, James had that moment on stage in South America where he was yep. very vulnerable. Yep. Um, and yeah, Master Puppets is in the closing slot right now. I think as we move forward into the, in, you know, the rest of this year, I mean, if that's if that stays there and becomes the staple, I mean, maybe it is a sign of you know what's to come. But um, well, another thing that I predicted, and I don't know if we can find a clip to put in, but it was on our last episode. Is I predicted that Sandman and Nothing Else Matters need a big switch up or to even come out of the set altogether. Yeah. And bingo, they started doing that. So first of all proof that the boys or someone in the inner circle listens to the show you're welcome hi everybody hello hi uh but second of all you know it's a good point i mean it really is a good point now here's what i can say too i have it under pretty decent authority not 100 percent, but pretty decent authority that the new album is done mm -hmm. that there is a new metallica album now that would seem to suggest to me at least three to five more years Right, because I don't think it's coming out now. I don't know when it's coming out, but I don't think it's coming out this year. So if it comes out in the spring of 2023, and if they are looking to tour as ambitiously as they did for Hardwired, you're looking at three years. Right. So I think there's a three to five year period of more active Metallica. But I do think Eric's right, and as I've said previously, everyone needs to really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, three to five years is going to go by really fast. Well, all right. Thanks for the interesting uh, Metallic conspiracy, Eric, and we will leave you now with a commercial for Patreon. If you like the show, if you want to support the show, it's really easy to do. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. And the interesting thing about all these European shows is we're going to be doing Metal Tales for all of them. Some people have already signed up. We have plans. We've obviously been on tour. We haven't been able to do them. But Metal Tales are coming for all these shows. Metal Tales are where a patron of the show can come on, tell their Metallica story, recap the show, talk about what was interesting. And uh, the way that you do that is by joining Patreon. So if you can afford it, it's basically the lowest tier is $5 a month. For that price, you get most of the benefits over there. And it's mm -hmm. like buying me and Ethan a cup of coffee or a beer or whatever, a, a popsicle every month. Yeah. And uh, you can be a part of what makes the show special. What what like kind of the engine room of Metal Up Your Podcast is the Patreon. So right. that's where you do that. You'll hear a commercial for it. If you can't do it, no big deal. We're just glad you're here. The show is and will always be free. It'll never be behind a paywall. So uh, check that commercial out. Maybe take a break. Maybe take a pee break. Maybe make a sandwich. <laughs> I don't know what you want to do. But yeah, now's the time to eat. now's the time to do it. Just don't take a break and climb the beanstalk because we never we may never hear from you again. Well, yeah, and it's at least a two it's a four hour round trip. So yeah, I don't know if there's enough time. So uh, we'll be back in a minute to talk about uh, our tour and of course these amazing European setlists from the boys. All right. Hey everyone, Clinton Ethan here, and we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slane Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tales series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast 
and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. Here we are, and we're not going to spend too too long on this, but we want to just hit the highlights of our tour. So we were over there for 22 days. and Something like that, yeah. And um, it was interesting because half of it was festivals. Um, we started off in Scandinavia doing this Americana festival, which was mm-hmm. exciting. It was exciting to see a bunch of Norwegians and uh, uh, Danish people and Swedes. Swedish people like enjoying country music. And a lot of our, a lot of my friends were there. My friend Caroline Spence was there. Our friends in the Elizabeth Cook band were there. Uh, Courtney Marie Andrews, who's an artist that I've written with before, was there. So that was fascinating. Um, and then we did. A festival in Spain where we met Jerry Cantrell. We did right. the Isle of Wight Festival, which is a really famous festival that Dylan performed at, Hendrix performed at. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, we did Hyde Park, which is where we got to see the Stones and the Eagles. We basically opened for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other half of the tour were was our very first ever headlining uh, club tour. Yeah, all sold out, and it was all sold out. We did. We had to. We had to do two nights in London because the first night sold out in like ten minutes. So yeah, pretty well. What, what a trip that was. Um, yeah. How do we want to just recount? Because we met some people along the way that I want to give shout outs to as well. Absolutely. So. Well, when we were in Scandinavia, you know, we um, the nice thing was we did get a little bit of time in Stockholm because you always fly in, you know, a day early just in case you're you're dealing with flight delays and things like that. Uh, so we had to spend some good time there. We had a BDO the first night. We had a BDO the first night. We had to start yeah. it off right, man. Yeah. Um, one thing we were really trying to do in Copenhagen, uh, two things. One was to go look at the old, take a photo from the old building that was that was Sweet Silent Studios. And I even hit up, you you, you guessed it, Fleming Rasmussen. Well, he, he was going to come to the show. We, have, we put him on the, the guest show. list. Yeah. And, and he, was, he, re, he ended up getting back to me like the day after we left Copenhagen. I was like, I'm so sorry. You know, I had a bunch of family obligations. I was going to try to make it, but he also did confirm this was this was up for debate on the Discord that day, and this was, I wish I knew this info before because we were basically we didn't have a lot of time, so it's like should should we take the time to go to where Sweet Silence was where they did Puppets and Lightning, but I found out after the fact confirmed it is the original building still. Right. Um, so unfortunately, we didn't get to see uh, or meet Fleming, but uh, Oslo, we got to meet. Um, our fr- one of my old friends that Clint got introduced to, my friend David Husvik, who is from an awesome metal band called Extol. Um, but in the Metal Podcast community, our first international visitor mm-hmm. was our friend um, Hella from Hella. Norway. Got to meet her, and she brought her friend, ironically named Lars. That was actually <laughs> nice. We got to sit at, you know, we got they, she got to see the show, which was a really unique show because our drummer got sick, unfortunately, and like last minute notice, Ethan played drums. Mm-hmm. Um, which just speaks to how, you know, what a consummate musician you are. No rehearsal. Ethan was able to just sit down and play the damn drums and, and save the day, Thank basically. You. So Hella came and she brought us those Cavertech records. I don't know how to say that band name. I know. I know. They're but a one, Brad kind of metal hardcore band from Norway. So we got to sit outside for a while and just talk with, uh, we actually opted to stay a little later than we, than, you know, we had an option to go back to the hotel, but we wanted to spend some time with them and, 
great to meet your friend David. And David may or may not be playing drums on Lunar Satan Volume 2, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. And uh, he turned me on to a band that he loves called Believer that I've been dipping into that's very intense, but cool. Yeah, awesome. So, okay, so we met them. We go to Amsterdam. Amsterdam's fun, but we were starting, I mean, when we were over in that part of the world, we were flying almost every day. It was, so it was exhausting. We'd play a show, get a few hours of sleep, then we'd have to fly to the next city. And um, so we were pretty wiped. But in Amsterdam, I believe you and Morgan did do the red light district visit, right? <laughs> she, yeah, she, yeah, she wanted to see it because she'd never been there before. And I gave her a heads up. I'm like, hey, look, back in the day, like this was a pretty dangerous area and blah, 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 blah. Of course, prostitution is illegal there and all that stuff. But we walked through and it's basically like, to me, it, it was just like, the Broadway of Amsterdam. It was just like a bunch of tourists, a bunch of drunk dudes joking about prostitution, <laughs> maybe going in. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, it, to me, it was just kind of silly. It was just a big tourist trap, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, but if someone's never seen it, you can walk through it and, you know, but, you know, overall, it's Amsterdam. Amsterdam's a beautiful city. We had a, we had, we had a, a little bit of BDO there, too. We had, we had a good breakfast and a couple of beers there in that, that, that city center. I forgot about that. We did do that, yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> yeah, Amsterdam's known for a couple of things. One, the red light district, which I didn't see because I'm not a pervert like you. Um, <laughs> but then also, you know what they do a lot of there is they, they, they toke the ganj there. Oh, they toke some ganj for sure. Yeah, they cheech the chong. Dude, they, they burn the rope over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> burn the rope. <laughs> Oh, oh, they man. took jazz yeah, over there. What's funny is I actually went into, and and if, if you've never been there or heard it, uh, over there, if you want a cup of coffee, you go to a cafe. If you want weed, you go to a coffee shop. Right. I went into one just for, for kicks, and I ended up talking to one of the guys that owned it, and he asked where I was from, and I said the U.S., I'm from Nashville. And at one point in, in recent history, Amsterdam was like the place to go and smoke your smoke the gond, right? Right, to, to toke, toke, that, toke yeah. that rope. <laughs> Dude, the second I told him I was from the U.S., he was immediately jealous. At like, he's like, "Oh my gosh!" He's like, "We actually have, we actually sell U.S. marijuana here because it's so much better than ours." I was like, "Really? Like, okay, I guess you know the U.S. is now one of the the leaders in that world, yeah. or, or you know, well respected in that regard." Legalize it. That was Legalize me doing it, like Peter, Peter Tosh. Peter Tosh. <laughs> okay, so Amsterdam was cool. That was our first headlining show, so that was like our first taste of that. And right. by then, our drummer was feeling better. Then we had a brutal flight to uh, ba Balboa, <laughs> Rocky Balboa, Spain, or Bilbao. Bilbao. How do you say it? Bilbao. Bilbao. Which Metallica is about to play Bilbao, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we flew into Bilbao, Spain, and then we drove to Vitoria, where we were playing a festival. Now, here's what's interesting about that day, uh, and we were super wiped. Like the the, the travel so far was really <laughs> wiping us out big mm -hmm. time. And um, me and Johnny, our bass player, Johnny Sword, uh, we're checking into the hotel. And he, he nudges me and I look and on top of the hotel counter, which I've got to imagine is a big no-no, is a manifest of maybe 20 rooms and they all say Jerry Cantrell. Yeah. And we knew that he was in, we knew that he was playing the same festival as us, but the day after. Yeah. And so, and it was just obviously like his crew, you know, band and crew. Mm -hmm. It was like 20 names. And we're like, obviously we weren't taking note of the room numbers. We weren't going to do anything like that. But that's, what what a, that's what a Punisher does. Yeah, we'll get into Punishers later. Yeah. Uh, but what, what it did confirm for us is that Jerry's in the house. Jerry's in the building. Mm -hmm. Now, we're all massive Alice in Chains fans. And so we're like, cool. And I think it was Johnny who first saw him. So we got, Johnny actually saw him, like there was a park in front of the hotel. And so we got like double confirmation, Jerry's in the building. So 
We go out that night, have some beers. We actually found an Irish pub. <laughs> we did go to an Irish pub. <laughs> right by the hotel. But it just had a great outside, like, Cafe Society vibe. The beers were cheap. And we were having a little BDO. We were having a good time, yeah. And we go inside, and we walk in the lobby. It was me and you. And there's Jerry. Just sitting, chilling. Just sitting in the lobby with a bit of an entourage around him. We immediately slow our roll, and we're like, all right, be cool. Everyone be cool. We were kind of being funny, but we were like... Yeah. Everyone be cool, be cool, be cool, what babies. Kind of like one, kind of like when Dave, David J. Matthews is walking by me, right? Yeah. Trying to formulate a plan, but also kind of just trying to shoot from the hip and let it all unfold. Sure. You know, to to be a um to be almost a passive witness of my life, right? Which is what we all are anyway. By the way, back to the free will thing. Right. So as we're formulating a plan, we hear ding, 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 and then before we know it, the man himself just gets in the elevator out of our lives, seemingly forever. It seemed like that, yeah. And we were like, well, we blew it. I mean, that's my famous phrase, right? When we blow shit. I'm like, well, we blew it. Oh, we, know, blew, we, blew Plant, me, we blew meeting Robert Plant, too. That was a little harder, though. He was, it was. He, was on, he was kind of on the move. You know, he only, he only paused for a minute, True. and then he was on the move. But True. Jerry, we still had more time, because we knew he still wasn't playing until the next day. Um, and, and so, or really, the, the two days from Two then. days, right. And so, we're like, there's still, you know, so you're saying there's a chance, basically. So the but next day. Clint turned, turned to me right away, and he goes, we blew it. We blew it. <laughs> yeah. I tend to get fatalistic about it because you just never know when these opportunities, these these like precious windows will emerge, you know? Well, and, and um, it, it might sound like the time frame was longer, but we walked into the hotel together and literally within a minute, he was already in the elevator. And it wasn't like he yeah, saw yeah. us and, and ran in there. He was just done chatting with his boys for the night and going upstairs. And we, you know, we're, we're not punishers and we do this for a living. So we know, we know how to be cool. And like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cross over that line unless I know it can land, you know? Of course. Because that's another phrase we use a lot in our world, like landing the plane. We want to land the plane. We don't want to have an emergency crash mm -hmm. landing on fucking, on the sh on the, on the stony shores of Jerry Cantrell. No way. The dude deserves better <laughs> than that. So on Cantrell International Airport. The next day, I actually don't know what you were up to, but me and Johnny and Morgan went out looking for lunch. Had some mm -hmm. great paella, some great Spanish paella, which is one of my favorite dishes. It kind of wiped me out. It was real hot over there. Not a lot of water, not a lot of AC. We go back to the room and I'm, it's nap time for me. And we actually had already played our show. We played our show. All right. So hottest show I've ever played, like 102 degrees on stage, sun beating down on us. I wore yeah. a jersey with yeah, no shirt awful. on. Yeah. Um, I told Johnny, who was going to go downstairs and go for a walk. I said, if you see Jerry, shoot me a text immediately. I'm like do dozing off in my hotel room on the very edge of sleep, and I get the bat signal from Johnny. Jerry's down here. I have never put on clothes that fast in my life. <laughs> I did not take the stairs, or I did not take the elevator. Seven floors up, I ran down the stairs. Johnny said, dude, within like 90 seconds, you were downstairs. Yeah. And so I come out. <laughs> this makes me sound like such a fucking germ, but just his, Jerry Cantrell's music means so much to me. Alice sure. James means so much to me. And uh, I go out front and, and Johnny just nods his head and there's Jerry and I guess his either his tour manager or buddy, like a PA or something. They're just walking. They're just moseying down the sidewalk, you know? So we just start walking behind him, being cool. And we're doing the whole thing. Be cool. Everyone be cool. Be cool, baby. I'm like, that's Jerry Kinchell. You ever heard of a little song called Rooster? You know, like we're just having fun with that shit. Yeah. They stop at an intersection and we come up right by him and I'm like, well, this is it, you know? So I was like, hey, Jerry, how's it going, man? And I could see in his eyes that look of like, oh, no, here we go. I'm about to get punished. I'm about to get punished, yeah. And Because uh, yeah. imagine how many times a day he gets punished. I mean, yeah. we, we complain about it, but think about him, dude. Oh, for sure. 
and uh, I said, hey, man, you know, uh, are you – I asked him about the festival. And he could tell, the, by the way, me and Johnny looked. He said, oh, I'm playing tomorrow. When are you guys playing? He just – he knew we were playing the festival. Yeah, yeah, he knew right away. And we were like, oh, we just – we played today or whatever it was, whatever the details were. He was like, how was it? You know, and like, oh, it was hot. And he's like, yeah, we're playing tomorrow at the same time. I think it's going to be brutal. And I was like, man – and I said uh, – I said, dude, I heard your new solo record. It's great. I loved it. You know, and he was like, man, thanks. Appreciate it. And uh, we talked about our tours. He he's telling us his tour was just starting in Europe. I told him about like what we were up to. And I said, man, I don't want to take up too much of y'all's time. I just wanted to say hi. And his buddy was like, dude, you're cool. We're not, everything's cool. And then yeah. he, he introduced himself as Greg <laughs> and Jerry held out his hand. He goes, I'm Jerry. And I was like, I know, I I know that you're Jerry. I'm Clint. You know, it was like, <laughs> this is funny. And uh, we're like, well, we're just looking for food. And he like gave us some suggestions for some food. And then just like that, we walked away. Like we yeah. shook the man's hand. We said hi to him. I got to compliment his new record. I didn't germ out on, remember, uh, remember Man in the Box? Remember the song Wood? And then we just walked away. And we were just on cloud nine because yeah. we got to, I got to shake the hand of a man. Because I told Isabel this yesterday. We were talking about meeting Jerry. And I said, you know what I wanted to tell him, but I didn't know how to land it was, I'm over here in Europe with my band touring and doing this for a living. And I don't know if I would be doing this if it weren't for your records, which mm -hmm. I, is true. It's a true yeah, statement. For sure. Now, maybe I would. I mean, you know, it's, it's not an Alice in Chains save my life thing, but it is like those records were just such an important part of like me wanting to play music and learning how to play guitar. Yeah. And I was like, I just wish I could have found a way to tell him that more for me than him. Mm -hmm. And Isabel was like, nah, I don't think that would have been good. I think, you, <laughs> I think every, I think you landed it just fine. I think, it, I think if it turned into a thing like, um, so he's sober, but like if he would say he was drinking and, and you, and you ended up having beers together and hang right. out for like hours, right? you could eventually for land sure. that plane. No problem. Well, I, I actually did do that with Mindy Smith when I toured with her. Actually, my first time in the UK touring was with Mindy. And I was a huge Mindy Smith fan. And I just got the gig through hearsay, like that she needed a guitar player. And her mm -hmm. manager just called me and just offered me the, hey, do you, can you come to the UK with Mindy Smith for two weeks? We've heard you're great. We need somebody. Awesome. And I'm like, dude, they don't even know that I'm a huge fan. Right. And, and it took me, we did one rehearsal and then we were on a plane to, to Heathrow. And it Crazy. took me like five or six shows where me and Mindy were hanging out, having a beer. And I was like, and we had a really good rapport. We were becoming friends. And I actually told her, I said, hey, I don't want to weird you out, but like, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> like, this is a huge deal for me <laughs> yeah. to play guitar with you and totally landed it. But you're right. It takes, you need more time. You can't come in yeah. with that. You can't come in with that info on the street coming in hot. No, you can't do that within five minutes. And there's no way. Um, but then I ended up meeting Jerry uh, that evening. Like, I think... Um, it was, I think it was the second night we went to the Irish pub We in did Spain. go to the Irish pub in Spain. Um, and I had, I think I'd run back to the hotel for some reason, but I remember I walked in, I was kind of in a hurry to so get back to hang with you guys. And there's Jerry just in the lobby grabbing a Coke from the bar and he's walking towards me. I'm, I'm just waiting for the elevator. And I just look out and say, Hey, what's up, Jerry? And, uh, and it was very short and sweet, but, um, and, but he was like, Oh, he's like, you, uh, I think he recognized me because at one point he walked past all of us when we were yeah. like loading our shit in the van. Yeah. And immediately he was like, Hey, how'd the show go? And I kind of said the same thing and we were chatting a little bit. He was so nice and so cool. I mean, just that's the best way to describe him. He's just cool. Yeah. He was cool. He really you know? was um, easy to be around. Real cool. Yeah. And remember you, and, rain when I die? Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Them bones is awesome. I remember Charles. Um, nice. 
<laughs> but he was cool as hell, man. It was so an honor to meet him. You know, I know it was short and sweet. He'll probably never remember us ever again. But no. it happened. It meant a lot to us. And that's, you know, that's what, and you know what? We didn't punish him. We didn't punish him. And that's what it is. When you meet these people, you know, it's really more about you. It's not about him. He, mm -hmm. he's heard it all before. And yeah. so what felt spiritually important to me was just to exercise, like to be able to tell the man himself, like, that I like your new record and to shake his mm -hmm. hand. I mean, you know, right. a lot of people don't get to do that. So, yeah, all right. Sure. So that's Spain. Then we go to Belfast and we played our second headlining show, which was a really kind of rowdy, maybe five, 600 people crammed into this little was, club. And yeah, it was, it was hot, humid and sweaty. And, Morgan, and Morgan has never been to Ireland. Like that's what was so insane. Like she went over to the UK for the first time in March at this thing called C to C and she did it just acoustic. And I think it was really just London. I think she did Glasgow and did maybe, she do Glasgow? Dub, maybe Dublin. Okay, so she did go to Ireland. Well, but well, well, if we have any Northern Irish listeners, Northern Ireland is where we were, not right, Ireland. Right, I Big get difference. It. They all, don't like. They're they all don't but, like it. Yeah, they're all butthurt about their geography. Here's here's the thing. I don't care about any of that. It's just Ireland to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, they're well, they're two different countries technically. Well, I'm, I couldn't give a fuck. Well, actually, uh, <laughs> exactly. Sorry, sorry. To, like there were people arguing about it when we were in like customs lines. They're like, I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't want to get involved in y'all's problems. You know, right. <laughs> kill each other after I leave. Uh, then we did Isle of Wight, which was awesome. Now Isle of Wight, after that show, is where we got to meet our friend Cat Anchor, who's Metallic right. Cat. First time. And we were staying in some interesting, <laughs> interesting resort. She drove about 40 minutes to come hang with us. Yeah, and it was awesome. And, you know, we've been in communication with her for years now in the podcast. And so great to meet her. Great to meet you, Kat. Then we go to London where we got to meet Anya, who you've hung out with before in London. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple years ago, my wife went on a vacation in, over in Europe and the UK, and, and we met up with Anya one day. And she's awesome. Yeah, we had a great little we had a great little uh, boys and girls day out with her talking about films, talking about horror films. And then she actually came to the show mm -hmm. and our first night in London. Then we did London Night 2. Then we went to Glasgow where you got the potential Lunar Satan Volume 2. <laughs> I did, yes. And then we went to Manchester where we got to meet Tom Quay. Now, this was straight up like a, a, such a long time coming because we met Tom over email within a few months of launching the podcast. Yeah, early 2017. So we've been homies for a long time. Clint and I have, of course, you know, guested on his show off of Metallica a few times. But it was so it was so wild to like, you know, we know what he looks like and obviously sounds like, but like just just in the flesh, it's like it was so cool. We all like hugged and you know, it was like, you know, it was it felt like a reunion of, but we had never met in person before. For sure. And I will say I think maybe more so than you, although I don't know, but me and Tom have kept up a lot. Like me and Tom yeah. text a lot. And right. uh we have a lot of really similar interests outside of Metallica podcasting. And so it, it definitely felt to me like finally getting to meet a, a friend, like a good mm -hmm. friend. And uh, he brought his girlfriend, Tara, who was super cool, super yep. great. And uh, he actually he recorded a new Alpha Metallica episode about meeting us. So <laughs> I haven't if, listened to that if, yet. if you subscribe to his world, or it's called Alpha Metallica, we've been, as Ethan said, we've been guests on his show. I think he breaks down like the show and we got to have a little bit of a hang before, cool. you know, before we played. Yeah. Unfortunately so, we, we didn't stay close to Manchester that night. So we, we, we were, ho we, you know, we, it was kind of last minute, so we didn't know what we were doing. And it, it, it was a bummer not to be able to like spend the rest of the night just going out and, and around Manchester with Tom. But uh, hopefully in the future we'll have more hangs with him. We also met metal Pure podcast listener, Joshua Edmondson at that show. Had a great hang with him. Super cool guy. He's in a band. He brought us cassettes of his band. Yeah. So thanks to him for that. And um, oh, my Oasis standing on the shoulder of Giants record just arrived. Uh-oh. 
That's my first Oasis record on vinyl. I got Standing on the Shoulders of Giants for my first one. Oh, yeah. That's your favorite one. That's my favorite one, yeah. Um, so great to see Tom. Great to see Joshua. Great to meet Tara. All right. Then we go back to London, and we have a night off. We're exhausted. We're trying to land the plane of the tour. And I think the plan was for me and you and Johnny to just go grab a pint somewhere, maybe mm -hmm. grab a burger, maybe a veggie burger in your case, and then maybe just get some sleep because the next day we're playing Hyde Park. Well, I have friends in the band Little Big Town. You do too. You know Akil. Mm -hmm. uh, Akil. Akil. My friend Evan Weatherford, who plays guitar for Little Big Town, we're texting each other like, dude, we're in town. We should try to figure out how to hang out. We were definitely planning on hanging because they played the same day as we did at Hyde Park the next day. Well, he texts me and says, uh, I've got an extra like VIP all access past wristband to the stones if you want it. And I'm like, well, the answer is yes. I definitely want it. <laughs> I felt bad about you guys because we had a little bit of a BDO planned. Right. And I didn't want to bum anyone out. And I didn't want it to be like, ooh, I'm going to see the stones. But you have to say yes to that. So I hit Evan back and I'm like, dude, I definitely want it. Thank you. Let me know like where to meet. So I'm trying to put in my head together. Our hotel is like two miles from Hyde Park. I'm like, okay, I've never really taken the tubes here. And plus, we haven't even mentioned while we're in, over there, massive tube strikes. Yeah, yeah. There was like specific days. One, one was the I think the first one was the second London show, and we were all worried that we, a lot of the crowd would show up, but it was still packed. Thankfully, yeah, it was like it's just a huge deal over there. Like they're really dealing with a lot of that kind of stuff over there. So anyway, uh, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, let me know where to meet you, and I'll come get that wristband. But in the meantime, me and you and Johnny, we're going to go down and find a beer. As we're walking around this area, I hear someone shouting my name. And I look over, and it's Evan, and it's girlfriend Allison. Just in the middle of the super busy Shepherd's Bush area. Just I think we were crossing the same crosswalk. They they were staying in a hotel, I guess, in Shepherd's Bush, as were we. But we didn't even know that. And yeah. he just saw me in the crowd, and I look over. I'm like, wow. And he hands me two wristbands. Mm -hmm. So him and his girlfriend Allison, who we got to meet and spend time with, super sweet. They're gonna go do their own thing before they go see the Stones. He just drops off my two wristbands. So then I have to look to you and Johnny and say, I'm sorry, dudes, but I have an extra wristband. Are you guys going to fight to the death or what? Yeah, we had to. Now, you had a buddy that you wanted to meet up with in town, so you graciously ceded the wristband to Johnny. Uh, right away. Well, it, it was not only that, but this was Johnny's first time ever outside the U.S., first time you know, doing any kind of touring over there. And I just thought to myself, man, Johnny needs this experience. Yeah. He needs it. You I've were, done cool shit like that when I've been over there and seen cool shows in other countries where I'm like, I've seen Iron Maiden in Norway or whatever, right? Johnny needs this. And so right away, I was like, did you take it? He's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, 100%. It, it was I, a, I yeah. won't be bummed. It was a great Papa Bear move. It really was. Because, you know, <clears throat> he told me, he was like, man, I just didn't want to overly celebrate to bum Ethan out. Nah. But but he was like, I'm really excited. Like, he was just really like giddy, like a kid. Yeah, you know? he should have celebrated, man. I was I was the second you, the second you just said two wristbands, I knew what was coming, and I already made a decision at that point. Right, Johnny's going. Well, so we get on a double decker bus for the first time. He called his dad. His dad's like a, an old rock guy, kind of like mm -hmm. your dad. You know, his dad was one of the first you know male father figures to obviously a father figure it's his dad but to like put a guitar <laughs> in his hands and he got to see his dad rocking yeah and so for him to be able to call his dad and say hey i'm I'm in london on my way to see a little local band called the rolling stones mm -hmm. meant a lot to him and all that so we get to the stones and we didn't quite know this is another lesson for everybody in just faking it till you make it so all we got were these wristbands that say bst hyde park and they say diamond view and which we would later learn was like this private box like when you see like a in an arena to go see the preds you're in like a private box 
We didn't know what any yeah. of that meant. So we just walked to this VIP and we're like, and we looked, we look cool. You know, we look like we're in a band and we're mm -hmm. showing them our wristbands and everyone we showed this wristband to looked confused. Like, <laughs> we don't know what that is. And we just kept saying like, oh, well, you know, our, we were saying our record label, Sony gave it to us. Obviously mm -hmm. we're not going to, you know, we're trying to get in there. We're like, well, we're playing tomorrow. We're with Morgan Wade. Our, our label gave us these passes from, you know, Sony records. And yeah. they're like, that sounds convincing, but we still don't know. And so we're just sweet talking them, pushing them yeah. through. Uh, and eventually, I, I told Johnny, this is like playing like all the bosses like in a Zelda game. I'm like, we just have to get through all the bosses. <laughs> and eventually, like we had to get through like five people and they they let us in, you know? The, yeah. Whatever wristbands we were missing, they just gave them to us and let us in. So great lesson in just pretending like you belong, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to. We push our way up front, which we were equivalent to maybe like 15 rows back and we were on stage left. Stones come out and it was like a bolt of lightning, dude. Because those are those guys that you've seen. We've been seeing them our whole lives, right? Mm -hmm. We've heard they opened with uh, Street Fighting Man, it, just like the Eagles. Every song was a classic barn burner, and you're just watch, you're watching Keith Richards, and occasionally Mick or Keith or Ron would come over to like our side, and then you, you know, because you when you when you're watching a show that big, you mostly are watching the screens. Yeah, because they're like ants on stage. They're like ants. But when you're that close and they kind of come into your world, you're like, that's him. That's Keith Richards right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they brought insane heat. I'm sure everyone can imagine. I'm sure several of our listeners have heard them before. Great set list. Um, I'm trying to think of anything. Oh, well, Steve, so Steve Jordan's playing drums because yeah. Charlie's not here. And it was their first show they've ever played in London without Charlie. Wow. So they dedicated the show to him. And in fact, the first thing they did was when the house music went off, they there was this like homage to Charlie on the screens. That's it was so cool. It was beautiful. So then they come out and me and John are like, there's Steve Jordan, there's Mick, there's Keith, there's Ronnie. And Tour de Force, you know, they played all the great songs. Um, about an hour into that, I was starting to maybe almost have a panic attack. I'm not often in crowds like that. So mm -hmm. I had to get out of there. We on our way out, we run into the little big town camp who were maybe the equivalent of five rows behind us and they're like oh actually the, the wristbands are for this vip like booth if you guys want to go up there it's like an open bar it's real comfortable it's the hard rock guys who you would meet the next night right yeah and we're like uh hell yeah so we go up there that's when we saw tom cruise for the first time because he was in the booth next to us we're mm -hmm. like wow that's tom cruise there he is um a tiny man by the way very short yeah he is we go up to the booth. We finish watching the Stones. We they they come out for their encore, "Sympathy for the Devil," and God, what was their last song? Uh, um, Satisfaction, maybe. Yeah. And it was amazing. So then the Hard Rock Muckety Mucks took us out to the local Hard Rock Cafe, which was closed. They opened it for us, fed us whatever food and booze we wanted all night. Took us down to the vault, where they have Jimi Hendrix's um, "Flying V" that he played at Isle of Wight. Awesome. They had like the army green jacket that John Lennon wore in the Dick Cavett show. Just like crazy memorabilia. Yeah. They just rolled out the red carpet for us. It was really sweet of them. And what was funny about that is me and Johnny were like, hey, so tomorrow for the Eagles, can we do this exact same thing? Like we just wanted to make sure that we could get you and Parker and Morgan, if she was interested, in that same private area, right? And they're mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, we're yeah. definitely, yeah, we're definitely gonna do this tomorrow. No problem. It's it, consider it done. And me and Johnny are like, Right on. So who's who do I have to call to confirm? They're like, oh yeah, you can just call this guy. You know, he'll be available, or or we'll just run into you at the show. And we're like, right on, cool. Um, 
what's his number? Like, we, <laughs> we need, need we're details. Trying, we're trying to really lock this in because the experience right. was so amazing, and the only thing missing from it was you and Parker, you know, was yeah. our boys. So the next day, if you want to take over, we play Hyde Park. I don't know if there's anything that memorable about that show. It was a good show. It was a great show. I mean, the area we played in was the second stage. Was I mean, I was actually looking back at a couple of my GoPro photos. I'm like, man, it was fucking packed where we were. Oh, dude, there was probably 2,000 people out there. I would say more than that. I was, I was, I mean, if you got to think that whole thing is like 65,000 people. Well, I that's would say, true. I would say we were pushing 8,000 people because yeah. it, it goes pretty far back where yeah, we that's were. True. So, um, but you know, we finished our set. We went over, got some catering, got some dinner, and then we basically from right away we make our way over to you know to watch the Eagles. And well, the plan is well, we got a well the Robert Plant stuff. Oh, of course, right. So yeah, Robert Plant and Allison Krauss are playing as we're eating dinner. It's like, hey, well, let's go try to catch the last couple songs. You know, this is another one of those. You know, we're not sure if our wristband gets us on the main stage, but uh, uh, we're all like, let's just walk there, act like you belong there, and we did that. I was kind of leading the charge. Not one security guard stopped us. We got on the side of the stage. Literally, as they're finishing the ending of the last song, we're like, ah, shit. So the Allison Krauss, Robert Plant, they walked past us, the whole band. So we were kind of walking off stage behind them. Robert Plant's kind of on the move, but he stops her a little bit, and we're like, okay, is there going to be an opportunity to get in here? Do you remember you know? when the levee breaks? <laughs> Dude, stay away to heaven. <laughs> um, Black dog. Um, but there, there was not really like a, there was no, the door never cracked open, you know, because no, there was it. like a couple people talking to him, and then he was immediately on the move into a car and gone. But it was Robert Plant. About 10 feet away from us, you know? So, and then, of course, I'm peppering in my little We Blew It's. Uh, I wasn't trying to be a downer, but I felt like in a way we... Well, you know what I was saying We Blew is we didn't get to the stage sooner, soon enough to see him. Because we were right, kind of yeah. taking our time eating dinner, kind of kind of, just mucking about. And we finally got up there and they were taking their bows. And like they were ending with When the Levee Break. It was like, dude, we, we could have at least seen that last song or whatever. But, mm -hmm. oh, well, right. we, you know what? Sometimes you blow things in life. We blew it. It's fine. It's okay. Sometimes um, that happens, you know, from, from there is when we make our way over to Eagles world, you know, and um, we're and going what, back to right. that VIP area. And what was cool about and that the, was we got to do the whole Eagles experience from that VIP, like from start to mm -hmm. finish. Right. And I, and I had a dude kind of, kind of jawing my ear off when they started and I, I just walked away from him to go sit. I was like, dude, I'm not missing this show. I'm, I'm not just yeah. up here socializing. I want to see mm -hmm. the Eagles. I had a dude doing that at the very the last three songs. It's like I mean, he's like an inch away from my ear. I bet it was the it was same loud, guy. Obviously, I bet it was the same. It probably it probably was. And I and at a certain point, I I I, I put my hand on the shoulder. And said, "Hey, man, we can talk after the show. I really want to see those last couple songs." <laughs> I was being I was trying to be cool. Yeah. But yeah, and then but at a certain point, I kind of there was like you're we're, you're kind of upstairs, and I walked in, I grabbed a drink, and I went outside on the little patio area during whatever song, just to kind of get a break from that dude. Um, and I, this lady comes running up the stairs. She goes, I got a picture with them. I got a picture with them. And, and I just go, who? She's like, Tom Cruise. So we confirm Tom Cruise is back <laughs> for yeah. another night. We got Tom and I back. look over the railing and there he is just taking photos with people downstairs. Well, so then when we were in our actual booth facing the stage, if you just look right over and it was two booths down, but each booth only had like maybe five to 10 people in them. Yeah. And you look over and there he is just vibing to the Eagles. He watched almost their entire show singing all the words just like us. Yeah. And the thing is, yeah, is I, sure. I couldn't even focus on him that much because the Eagles were so damn good. I mean... They're really good, yeah. Hard to compare them to the Stones. The Stones had a lot more flash and a lot more like... They seemed a little more gracious and entertaining. 
mm-hmm. but I liked the songs of the Eagles. The Eagles were very cold. The Eagles kind of came out, didn't say much. Joe, no, no, no intro music. They just walk on stage. They just walked out. They opened with Seven Bridges Road, an acapella song, basically. Uh, they played all their hits. The, the only song I don't think they played was, um, they didn't play the long run. That was the only mm. thing that really stuck out to me. But but everything else you can imagine, they played. And it was really good, dude. Uh, they did it sounded like, great, yeah. They did several Joe Walsh solo songs. Like I mentioned, they did Boys of Summer, the Don Henley song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Timothy B. Schmidt saying, I can't tell you why. Yeah, Vince, Vince Gill was incredible. Oh, doing all the Glenn Fry songs, he was awesome. And Deacon Fry came out, uh, Glenn De- Fry's Fry? son, who looks yeah. and sounds exactly like his dad. Yeah. And he did, what did he did? Already Gone, Take It Easy. What else did he, did he do? He uh, I think just I think just those two. And then the the strangest <laughs> thing is they, so they go off for their encore. They come out, they play Hotel California, first encore. Great. Everyone, cloud nine. Everyone, all 60,000 people there mesmerized because of course, yeah. it's one of the greatest songs ever. After ever. they've just played 20 of the greatest songs ever. Mm-hmm. So then Don Henley is like, well, we got, you know, it's been great. We're going to say bye. We're going to play one more. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he goes, like, we got a real special guest for this last one. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And we were getting stoked at this point. Like, so who we're could, like, who could it be? You know, we're thinking Paul McCartney, uh, Keith Richards, uh, Mick Jagger, and, you know, Bruce Spring. It could be anyone, dude. It's the Eagles, you know? Yeah. And lo and behold, to play their last song, Already Gone, they bring up, what's his name? John McEnroe, the John tennis McEnroe, player. John McEnroe, the tennis player. Because <laughs> Wimbledon was starting the next day. And he's... They, they hand him an acoustic. He's just kind of in the back playing. But, I mean, the build-up to that, it was very quick. But when Don, Lee, Don Henley, before their very last song, says, we have a very special guest, you're like, holy shit. John McEnroe. <laughs> it was a weird thing. I mean, it's We fine. all looked around like, what? Why? Why John they must McEnroe? Be, they must be buddies. I mean, it wasn't bad, but you couldn't even hear his guitar. In the, it's like, dude, man, we thought... I thought like a reincarnated prince was going to come out, dude. And you mm-hmm. brought out a tennis guy. A tennis player. So that's how it ended. But great show. Super fun time. We had a good time. We did not go back to the Hard Rock. We opted to get some Zs because we had a very... Well, you and I and Johnny had a day... Or you and I and Parker had a day off. Right. Then we had a very long ride home. And let's not even get into the Punisher stuff. I don't want to go into the details. Yeah. We got we got punished by a dude Just who, don't be one. That's all we need to just say. Just don't... Yeah, just read the room. All right. Now let's start talking about these set lists. Let's talk some Metallica, as they say. So we happen to be over there while they're kind of in our world over there. So we were mm-hmm. on their time schedule, which was pretty exciting. Yeah. And I think by the time we had hung out with Hella in Oslo, she had not yet gone to Copenhagen. Correct, yeah. And so Kat was there, Anya was there, Sasha was there, and Nicole was there. Plus Hella. Like they got a big picture together. So Oh yeah. So many people you know, that's called a GDO. So many Girls people, day so many people in our world were over there. Now, here's what I just don't think any of us could have predicted. I'm just going to read the set list. We were we all read it in real time. I was kind of having fun on Discord with everybody in real mm-hmm. time. Open with Whiplash into Creep, which they've been doing. But amazingly, in slot three, for the first time in a long time, we have a little song called Inner Sandman. I know. It's crazy.
So we get an early Sandman. Now, what do you think about that? Early Sandman. I think it's awesome because I think that, you know, even though, it's, even though it's at a festival, it's like everyone's expecting that to be the closer because that's what they do. And that's what they've done for a long time. But to have it that early, I still think you have so many people. Those people aren't leaving the festival. You know what I mean? If you play Sandman early, someone's, I mean, maybe there was one guy in the crowd going, well, that's all I came to hear. See ya. You know, it's like, okay, they just played Sandman in slot three. What else are they going to do? That's exactly what the signal to me was. It's like, mm-hmm. Sandman at three means anything can happen. Right. And I will say that probably the, we're going to get into all these different set lists, but I think the Copenhagen one was the biggest barn burner because, all right, then you get Harvey, then you get Trapped Under Ice, which they would go on to play at almost every show. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at least for the next several. Yeah, ex- every show except the last one in France. Yeah. They played Trapped. Which is exciting. Obviously, a Ride the Lightning deep cut. Real exciting to see that. Mm-hmm, then sure. you get Bleeding Me, which we have a clip of this one too. So let's play a little bit of Bleeding Me. Now, here's what's interesting about Bleeding Me. Um, they obviously have a pre-recorded track at the top of it with, like, an organ. So someone who's producing their show has been building stuff for them. For sure, I don't yeah. know if it's someone in-house, like one of their engineers. I don't know if it's Greg. My guess is they just hired someone, because we see this a lot in Nashville. There, there are people who basically you hire to build out your show. And mm-hmm. so, uh, some, yeah, sure. so you, either, you either record new stuff or you get stems from the albums so you can integrate threads of the band and of the sounds that we all know so it's cool bleeding me starts out with this like really ominous organ sound that's on the record Mm -hmm. and i gotta say man they sound great james sounds great on it sounded killer man like the band sounds good like it's not too slow it's not boring the crowd the vantage point that i saw was a this wasn't one of the official metallica videos so you know the audio and video are a little squirrely but 
it's like a lot of snake pit people and you can just see everyone's like this is a treat this is insane mm-hmm. yeah for sure because i don't think they've played that since the 40th anniversary shows all right then you get sabbath true but then you get dirty window which is awesome they did that the 40th anniversary as well now i want to play a clip of it there's not one released from copenhagen but we have a clip of it from the sao paulo show where i believe in the video you see edgar several times another friend of the yeah. show so let's check out what dirty window sounds like as well all right saint anger or yeah. let's find out It sounds awesome. They play it like the record. It's tight. The guitars sound better. The drums sound good. James is singing it with a lot of conviction. I'd I mean, say it sounds better, way better than the record. I mean, it, even even, even sure. vocally, for sure. And it's interesting when he introduces the song. He's like, "Well, Saint Anger," and he, he kind of gauges the reaction of the crowd. He's like, "Well, we'll see when we're done," you know, which I kind of like. He's almost kind of saying, "I think you're going to really like this. I think you're mm-hmm. going to be surprised by how cool this sounds." Like. Yeah, he absolutely was. Because Dirty Window is about five and a half minutes long. It's kind of short, tight, sweet, powerful, it's crushing. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, and. Uh, that made its way into almost every, actually to every show so far in Europe. Yeah. They played Dirty Window. Pretty awesome. Okay, so then the Netherlands, uh, Whiplash, Creep, Sandman, Harvey, Trap, Bleeding Me Again, Sad, Dirty. They put Rome in, Bells, Moth, Sanitarium, Seek, and then they thrash lot Metal Militia. Metal Militia, which is great.
First time they've played it in six years. First time they've played it in... I saw this stat. This stat is crazy. It just shows how old everybody is. Uh, right. It's the first time they've played Metal Militia in the Netherlands in 38 years. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so they must have just played it on one of their first tours. So, okay. So the other thing to notice about that first Copenhagen show, no nothing else matters. Yeah, that was, that was pretty wild to see. And I remember thinking like, hmm, I wonder if they nixed it because of Kirk's Kirk Fuffle, right? What I'm calling the Great Kirk Fuffle of 2022, where yeah. he insanely botched the intro. Very botched, very much so. And if you, that kind of harkens back to when they played Unforgiven 2 on you know some television broadcast and another Kirk Fuffle, the Great Kirk Fuffle of '97, and then they never played the song again except for maybe Ever. two or three times on the Buy Request <laughs> tour. So right. I thought maybe it had gone away, but we did get Nothing Else Matters back, I believe, in Florence. Yeah, Florence, yeah. So Florence is kind of the same deal, but they played No Leaf Clover, which is fun. Always great. Dirty Window again. Get Nothing Else Matters, but an early mid-set Nothing Else Matters. Love that Love that as well. And so they end again with Damage 1 and Puppets. So 1 and Puppets are the new Nothing Else Matters and Sandman. Mm-hmm, which is cool. Yeah, and, and this whole time, Sandman's staying at slot 3. And st- Sandman stays at slot 3 the whole time. That's right. So Prague, the interesting thing is they add Cyanide, which is pretty exciting. Love it. Um, the only difference between Prague and Germany was they added Rome back in. Damage is still the first of th- first of three uh, encore thrashy thing. Then France, I believe, was the same as Germany minus Rome.
what's interesting to me though is they're they're changing up the order, which they don't often do. Yeah, they don't. Like in some of these, Rome is in a different spot. Some of these, Rome is a little earlier. Some of these, bells is in a different spot, right? So, some of these, nothing else matters in a different spot or not there at all. It seems like the first three and the last three are kind of just there. Right. They're, 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 that's the bread, and then they just change out the the, the meats. Totally, because in some they have sanitarium and fade, and some they kind of alternate those. So it's it's interesting, right? Now mm-hmm. here's the bummer: is the Fraunheld Switzerland show was canceled. Here's their official statement. This is a couple of days ago. With a very heavy heart that we are announcing that we will not be appearing at the Fraunfeld, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, rocks in Switzerland today, as unfortunately a member of the Metallica family assessed positive for COVID. We're beyond sorry to disappoint those of you planning to attend the show. All right, so first of all, that's a bummer. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting thing. This is in the statement. They go on to say, it was our intention to reschedule a show in Switzerland as soon as possible. However, in overnight discussions with the local promoters, sadly, it became apparent that schedules and venues do not line up for the remainder of this year or next year. Or next year. That's pretty wild. Now, let me finish this out, and then we'll speculate on what that might mean. If you have a ticket and would still like to attend out on the green, you will receive a refund of 50 Swiss francs. Should you decide not to attend the festival altogether, you will be refunded the ticket price by the respective ticket agencies. Um, the remaining shows, so <clears throat> there's some question about whether or not gonna, they're going to play tonight in Belgium. As of recording this, this is July 1st. Mm-hmm. They're going to be in uh, Bilbao, Spain on the 3rd, where we were, Madrid on the 6th, Lisbon, Portugal on the 8th, and then they're back stateside the 28th, uh, Lollapalooza in Chicago, August 11th in Buffalo, and then their last date for the year on the books is August 14th in Pittsburgh. Right. So I did th- see this morning before we started recording on Instagram that they had posted t- tonight in Belgium and like the show poster. So it looks like they are playing. So Belgium that's tonight. happening. So it, it's probably not like just okay. We could speculate just briefly because speculating is pointless, really. But that sounds like it's probably not a band member, but maybe someone crucial enough to where they had to cancel. Or is it a band member? Uh, I, uh, I think what it probably is is it somebody in the camp. Whether it's a band, maybe, I mean, I'd imagine if it's a band member, they would they would cancel a couple shows. But um, what they because you have to think too, you, you know, with, with you know a lot of bands like this big have pretty strict COVID COVID protocols. Even if one person gets it, what they have they have to take the time to like get everyone to get, test everybody, make sure okay who's good, who's not. Let's isolate that person. Let's get them sorted. You know, so it was like this all happened pretty last minute to where they like well we got to cancel tonight and sort all this out in a, in a timely enough manner to where we can get to the next show. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. That's probably true. But it's just such a big deal to cancel a show this big. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, if Jimmy gets COVID, is that a cancelable? Is that close enough to the inner circle to cancel? Because um, like, you, you you could just do the logic. If it's like, you know, one of the line cooks, they're not canceling the show. Of course, yeah. So there's there's a, a demarcation point where it's close enough to the band to cancel. But it just yeah. seems like... It, it just seems... Like you find out that let's say it's Jimmy, and I'm not trying to pick on Jimmy. So Jimmy, sure. Jimmy listens occasionally. Jimmy, I love you. Let's say it's Jimmy or Chad. Um, if they get it, the band looks at each other and goes, "Uh oh, you know, I hung out with Jimmy last night. Lars and Jimmy mm-hmm. had a drink last night." It seems like the band immediately tests themselves, and if they're positive or if they're negative, show goes on, right? Yeah, but I guess you know there is the there is the the common thing of you know a lot of times after contact doesn't show up for a day or two, right? That's so it, that maybe yeah. that's why too, where they were like, hey, we have to wait two days before we can really pro- before we know. test everybody. Because now if they're playing tonight, that means that yeah, it couldn't have been a band member if they're playing tonight, right? Right? Yeah, it, the, I mean, the rules are so strange. 
I know. And, and the rules change from camp to camp too, yeah, you know. Right. Some people are kind of like, well, forge on, let's go, you know. Um but yeah, you know, yeah, it's just it, it had to have been concerning enough or logistically annoying enough to cancel such a big show. Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal to cancel. And I I know that they're, you know, the fans are disappointed. And I know they probably did everything everything they could to to not cancel. Right. All right, so there's that speculation. Now, the speculation on why they're unable to reschedule even for next year. That's really wild. That just leads me to believe that there's an album, there's like a whole thing being planned for next year. That, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe the next album cycle tour starts next year, and that's why they, they're like, hey, we just can't, you know. Because when James canceled that, this is years ago now, this might have even been the first year of the podcast, I can't remember, but they played four shows in Copenhagen mm-hmm. at, the, at that new arena there, and James had to cancel one of them because his voice went out. And they rescheduled that for like, they that was in February I think and they rescheduled it for September and they had to just mm-hmm. as a kind of a one-off fly all the way over there to play a makeup show right. I don't see what would be that hard about flying to Switzerland to yeah, play a makeup weird. show they mu- they must have you know holds on on different venues in different cities and, and maybe at that point you know where it's like hey summertime is the best time to do it over there but we're going to be in Australia we're, we're going to be in Asia or something you know yeah, right I, I guarantee they've got stuff on the books that that that, that, that might be the most logical explanation for this yeah and it's even interesting to put that in the statement too like mm-hmm. but i like it it's transparent they're like well we're just letting you know like we we want to reschedule but yeah, it, for sure it doesn't look likely to happen anytime soon so yeah all right well that's that's the catch-up on everything we know so far we will of course have our ear to the ground and and be churning out episodes as often as we can touring permitted mm-hmm. and uh if you guys want to come out to a morgan wade show we're we're busy through through late fall yeah. Um, all the dates are somewhere. They're on the socials. Go look on, at all of our websites. stuff. And if we can get everyone tickets, we, of course, would love to. I'm excited that we're going to be hanging out with Namarda and Hari and Van this weekend mm-hmm. here right. in Nashville at our show. And um, anything else to add here as we wrap it up, as we let everybody go? We got to catch a flight here in a couple hours. Yeah, we got to catch a flight. I got to finish. Uh, I got to pack a couple things here and uh, get ready for that. Um, that's. I mean, that's it. We, uh, that was a good recap, a good time. It's good to see you again. I know it's been a whole two days. <laughs> yeah, I missed you, dude. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see everyone soon. All right, everyone, take care out there. Take care of yourself. Take care of your families. We'll see you on the flippity floppity. Peace. Adios. <laughs>